0: Welcome to the First Church Message of the Week podcast. Thanks for listening in. The Beatitudes say a great deal in very few words. How are we leading, teaching, and faithfully following God, not just with our own words, but with all that we do or are as well? The depth of what God wants us to hear in this passage comes in just a few words with profound challenge. Perhaps there is a blessedness in there for all of us as we try to take in this radical message that doesn't seem to get easier the more we hear it. In this week's message of the week, we hear a message from Pastor Jen Tyler, who shares from Matthew 5, Jesus' message to the disciples and us in the Beatitudes. Here is the First Church message of the week.
1: Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for the ways that you are with us throughout all of our lives and ask that you would be with us this morning in worship as well. As we listen for your word in this time, we ask that you would open our ears, that we can hear you clearly in our midst. Open our eyes, that we might see you more clearly, and our hearts, that we might love you more deeply as you rid us from any and all distractions so that all that we see and hear and know and feel and speak are of you. Amen. So this weekend we are wrapping up our sermon series on these gifts of God that keep giving in our lives. And as we do so, we're going to spend a bit of time in reflection on one of the passages in Scripture that I think offers us both a great gift on one hand and a great challenge on the other, all at the same time. And so together, I want to read the opening part of what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. These words are words of Jesus that he taught and instructed the disciples. Uh, The specific part that we're going to read is found in Matthew chapter 5. The whole of the Sermon on the Mount runs chapters 5 through 7. So if you've not read this, I encourage you to do so in the week to come. The Sermon on the Mount is called that. It's pretty long for some pretty obvious reasons. Not everything in the Bible is hard to understand. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus was on a mountain when he said it. So as you might guess, these words were not just any old time on a mountain, though. And I appreciate specifically the reminder that we hear at the beginning of this passage about all that had come right before, as it tells us that there were crowds there. So it's important to know that these crowds are there because in the chapters right before this, Jesus had been leading and teaching and blessing and doing miracles all throughout the region. And as he did that, He grew a crowd of followers who would not just come to hear him for the afternoon or for an hour or so, but who would hear this good news that Jesus brought and then want so much to be a part of it that they would follow him from city to city all around the region. And as he taught, the more he taught, the larger these crowds grew." In fact, in chapter five, verse one, it says that when Jesus then saw the crowds, he went up the mountain and after he sat down, the disciples came to him. I wanna focus for a minute on this verse because it tells us that when he saw the crowds, he retreated and went up the mountain. And there is a lot that I appreciate about this framing You see, it isn't that Jesus was trying to avoid people or that he didn't want to be in ministry with them. We know that because he allowed the crowds, not just his 12 disciples, but all who were following him, to catch up and come to him. And yet, it's hard to wonder what happened in between, isn't it? Uh, There was this moment in between that it doesn't tell us much about it, uh, but we are told that he went up the mountain, and he sat down, and then the disciples caught up to him. And I've been focused a little this week more than usual on this gap in between. This week, that gap there struck me maybe more than it ever has before because before I might have imagined it like other times when Jesus runs to get away from crowds and tries to just be alone, right? So I've always thought, well, maybe Jesus was tired and weary and needing a break. But maybe he just wanted to take a quick moment to have a short break, to catch his breath and to be alone with God in this pause in between. Not for a long time. Not to distract from his ministries or send the crowds away, but in order to reconnect with God so that he could be stronger and more in connection with God when those crowds finally caught up, when his ministry was ready to continue. Maybe I noticed that this week because the truth is I've been feeling a little bit of that need for a pause lately, Uh, If you saw our weekly or monthly newsletter this week, you may have seen my article that I wrote sharing that I am looking forward to going up my own proverbial mountain, hopefully a literal one too, over this coming summer. I'm preparing to take off a little bit of time for a spiritual renewal leave over the summer, and I am looking forward to connecting and being alone with God for a little bit longer than usual. I'm looking forward to this time that is going to recenter me, not because I have to take a break, although admittedly, I think more of us than will admit it could use one, couldn't we? I believe that a break like this for a time of renewal will help me to be a better, stronger leader as God is calling me to be. And so as I do this, I think it's important for you to know a couple things. And the first is one of the questions I've gotten. It isn't that I'm tired or wanting to stop being in ministry. I desperately want to return at the end of my leave. A couple people have said, what if you don't come back? I promise I'll come back. Okay, I'm not responding to anything specific that has happened or uh, anything negative. I don't want to stop being in ministry, none of those things. I simply know that it will be good for my spirit and my spiritual leadership to spend some extra time caring for me so that I can better care for others. And so I'm taking this moment to run up my proverbial mountainside ahead of the crowds where I can catch my breath and reconnect to God so that when I do so, I can do so alone without an audience or the pressure of the world distracting me. I feel strongly that in this time and place, God is calling me up the mountain. And the truth is, at all times and in all places in looking in very different ways sometimes, I think God is calling to all of us in one form or another. And so as I reflect on where God may be calling me in this season, I wonder, where is God calling you? How might God be calling to you? Sometimes God calls to us in really expected ways or places and times, but most of the time that's not the case. God calls to us through words that we hear, friends that we interact with, congregations that we're a part of, roles that we step into intentionally or otherwise. God calls to us in those still, quiet moments when our heart won't stop racing and you know what you have to do even if you're not yet sure that you want to do it. Has anyone ever had that moment in our lives too? God can call to us in a crowd full of people and through the silence and solitude of being alone on a mountainside. God calls to us. Are you listening? Are you ready to follow that place that God is leading? One of the things that I really appreciate about this introduction to the Sermon on the Mount, of which I realize we've only read one verse so far, is that it opens with some of the most invitational, bold, and challenging words that I think Jesus has to offer any of us. They're words that invite us to settle ourselves in as we make space to hear directly from God these words that not only provide insight into the kinds of things we should be attuned to in the world, but they also challenge us to hear and express the profound challenges of those around us and to do so in simple yet profound ways. The These words that are known as the beatitude, which means blessed or happy, they are simple and profound, they are straightforward and articulate, they are sensible and a bit radical, and they are all of these things held in tension while offered to us as a gift in these beautiful and succinct and this poetic message that is somehow so beautiful and inviting and peace-filled while also really challenging. Jesus gathered his disciples, not just the 12, as we might first think, but the whole of the crowds to say these words to them. And the crowds were trying to follow and to learn from him right there on the mountain. And we know, by the way, that it was a crowd because at the end of chapter 7, when Jesus finishes speaking, we're told at the end of chapter 7 that when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. So there's something about these words that Jesus speaks and how he spoke them It was different. He took his moment at the beginning to get away up the mountain alone before he welcomed them as he was ready to speak and teach and lead, as he was ready to help them to see God in a new way. Friends, with words as powerful as that, I want to invite you to hear them with fresh ears. You see, you may have noticed by now that I haven't actually read the passage we're talking about. Usually I read this at the beginning of the message, but today I haven't read them yet because I wanted these words of Scripture to have the final word. I wanted to take a moment to unpack it, to invite you in to the words that we are going to hear, to paint a picture of what might be happening and who might have been there so that as I read these words, you can imagine the mountainside they were gathered on, maybe even what it might've been like to hear these words from Jesus if you were in the crowd that day. Imagining Jesus at the top of the mountainside with the crowds who gathered on the hillside below, listening intent, looking up at their leader, grateful for the way that his voice might project down the hillside for all to hear. The first thing that he wanted them to know when he gathered them to speak that day was how blessed they are and how to be blessed. Because it isn't always obvious, doesn't always come in expected ways. As Pastor Bryce said with the children earlier, it isn't the things that we always think of. But that's kind of how Jesus is, isn't it? That he tends to take what we think we know or are comfortable with, and then he flips it upside down for us, inviting us to think outside the box. And so as I prepare to read these words today, I want to invite you to be open to that. To be open to how these words speak to you, or maybe about you. Maybe even how you're called to go up your own mountainside as these words flow through you. May you hear the voice of God as Jesus speaks to us in Matthew chapter 5. And as I read these verses, I'm going to pause between some of them because I want to invite you to let those words wash over you. Maybe to say a little prayer for the circumstances in your life, for the lives of those around you for whom these specific words apply. Friends, hear these words of Jesus. For we know that when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor
2: in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when
1: people revile you and persecute persecute you, and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way
2: they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Friends, rejoice and be glad. For God is with you, and God has called you blessed. Let's pray together. Merciful, bountiful, ever loving
1: God, thank you for these immeasurable blessings that you pour into our lives. Thank you for this assurance that you are with us on those days we are serving you faithfully as peacemakers and those days that we are struggling when people revile against us. Help us, oh God, to continue to sit at your feet, to honor you, to lean into your blessings and to be open to hearing your call as you invite us this and every day to follow you anew. In Jesus' name, we pray and give you thanks this day. Amen.
0: Thanks for joining us for the First Church Message of the Week. To stay connected, subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Facebook. For more information like our church calendar, worship times, and upcoming events, visit our website at watertownfirst.church. This has been the First Church Message of the Week.